The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Jason Spies, thank you folks for joining us coming up this week. The Crude Life Week in Review, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, U.S. Senator John Hoven, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum respond to questions regarding COVID-19 about small business and the energy industry. Also, Devin Becker with Becker Safety and Supply gives an update from Weld County, Colorado, how they're handling the coronavirus pandemic and shutdown. Becker Safety and Supply is labeled a essential and critical business by the government and therefore they're operating. He explains how they've adjusted, what they are currently doing inside sales, outside sales, online, new products all of a sudden in the safety industry that they didn't even know about last year, etc. Also, Terry Edom, the end of the fossil fuel insanity, the author, the writer, and blogger, gives an update from Canada how they're dealing with the COVID-19 shutdown in the oil and gas industry. All that plus much more on this week's Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to remind you folks, if you go to our website, the Crude Life Week in Review, all of the interviews you hear here are available at the website as well as a daily podcast and other information as well. News, events, industry, all kinds of different things at thecrudelife.com. All right, let's get to our first interview here. This is U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, John Hoven, and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Senator Kramer, um, about uh, oil, some of the work that you're doing specifically um, about oil right sure. now. And, you know, you just alluded to some of the work that you've been doing trying to, you know, press Saudi Arabia on these issues. Have you seen any any success and progress on their part in moving that direction? Yeah, I would say, th thanks for the question, I would say the most successful thing I've seen is the president's tone this morning after his call with um, Vladimir Putin was encouraging because... Um, if you couldn't tell, um, I was sensing some, I was sensing some, um, I don't know, I guess passiveness about, about that from the administration. Obviously, low gasoline prices, everyone loves them. If you could only drive somewhere, it would, they'd be great. But, um, you know, it's, it's, not much of a, it's not much of an economic boom uh, when there's nowhere to go. So I think that the president reaching out to the crown prince was encouraging, when pre reaching out to Vladimir Putin was encouraging. Um, probably one of the most encouraging things was last week, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo called the Crown Prince uh, of the Kingdom and uh, had a, a, a strong conversation with him. I will tell you, however, that at $20 roughly a barrel, th there is real urgency to this. And so I've pressed everybody from the White House on down on, on the matter, including uh, I, I helped set up a phone call with the... Uh, the uh, Saudi ambassador to the United States, Senator Hoven, was on that call. Um, there was not, there were not many punches held back, Senator, as I recall, including his. And we've had constant contact with our ambassador. I also just add, to add a little bit to it, some of the other things we've done is uh, I led a letter to the president uh, suggesting a um, embargo of Saudi oil. 
I, I wrote a personal letter to the president asking him to consider, you know, uh, tariffs on, on OPEC oil. Just in, in case people wonder, you know, I know we're energy dominant, we're a net exporter, but we do still import about you know, roughly six million or more barrels of oil per day from other countries, including Saudi Arabia. Uh, we learned, I learned last week from a, a company that a major U.S. company is changing their refineries to accept Saudi Arabian oil. That's not okay. This is an America first battle cry. And so um, I think we, we have to use these emergency powers to insist that our, not, not only our producers, but that our, um, everybody in the value chain understands the importance of, of this. So, um, but the most encouraging thing is that the president seems to have stepped up his rhetoric a little bit and in his um, demands of the, of the crown prince, or of, of Vladimir Putin, I'm sorry. Senator, I actually also have a question referring to uh, some of your wording earlier. Uh, you referred to Saudi Arabia as friends. Uh, national intelligence agencies say that they've killed Americans and gone relatively unpunished. How is Saudi Arabia our friends? Yeah, so really great question. And um, the question was, how is Saudi Arabia a friend? I referred to them as a friend. They are considered an ally. They're a very important ally, ally in the Middle East when it comes to certain bad actors. Uh, they've been helpful um, in the war on terror. They've been especially helpful in the war or in, in um, fighting back against Iran's aggression. But... But um, they, they're a uh, reluctant ally in, in sort of a circumstantial ally in many cases, shall we say. Uh, I, told the, I told the State Department today, do not bring another bill to the United States Senate that in any way advocates for Saudi Arabia or suggests uh, or opposes or asking us to oppose legislation aimed at either condemning or punishing Saudi Arabia. Uh, the uh, Being their friend is a... Is a is a tough place to be sometimes. And um, like I said earlier, we are literally putting American military men and women in harm's way to protect oil assets in Saudi Arabia while they wage war against our oil assets and our oil jobs in this country. And uh, it shouldn't be tolerated. This one's for you and for Senator Hoven. I'm just wondering why you guys aren't self-isolating yeah. after coming back from D.C. <laughs> when Representative Armstrong is. Well, a couple of so great question. I'm you're close enough to the mic. Maybe they heard it. Why aren't we self-isolating? So a couple of reasons. First one is, at least at the time we left there last week, um, Washington D.C. wasn't a hotspot. I don't know if they are listed as one now. They're not. Um, so they're not one of the states slash territories slash districts, I guess, um, that's uh, problematic in terms of travel traveling from there. Second of all, I think Representative Armstrong had to endure a very unfortunate situation in having to go back to vote um, with a number of his colleagues. The Senate is only a hundred of us to begin with. Um, we were pretty much exercising self-isolation while we were there, um, voting by, you know, it's just like we are now, staying six feet apart. Uh, social distancing was well exercised in the United States Senate while we were there. Um, and Representative Armstrong had to, like I said, go back and vote in the chamber thanks to the reckless behavior of one member, uh, somebody who um, should have known better. Uh, and so a couple of hundred or more, they had to have a quorum in the room to vote. They all had to be in there at the same time to vote. Even a voice vote required that. And uh, so I think out of an abundance of caution, he's doing the, the appropriate thing. We don't, didn't have the same circumstance. 
I heard from somebody who kind of feels stuck in the middle here between all the programs and, and new benefits here. Um, what do state what or what state and federal resources are available to people who are maybe self-employed or sole proprietors that have seen their business drop to basically zero, and do they qualify for unemployment benefits? Well, th this is uh, why we've got to keep digging in and getting uh, more information up uh, through through job service and through FAQs because these guys have done such a great job. I'll maybe let some of these guys comment, but they've expanded the benefits for sole proprietor and self-employed in ways that's never been done before. That, that's and, the right answer. Okay. It's the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program. Self-employed. Come on up to the microphone here, you guys. Come on up, Joe. The group you're asking. Everybody you're so, asking. Yeah, the one, it's called the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program. It's self-employed, independent contractors, and uh, those uh, with limited work history who would be unable to work due to COVID-19. To listen to the full-length interview with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer and U.S. Senator John Hoven, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, check out thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Devin Becker with Becker Safety and Supply. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Devin Becker with Becker Safety and Supply. Devin Becker, Becker Safety and Supply. Excellent. Thank you for joining the program here today. This is definitely one of the businesses I figured that would be open during the COVID-19, the coronavirus shutdown. So we're doing some shutdown shout-outs. Devin Becker, Becker Safety and Supply. How are you doing out there in Greeley, Colorado? I live in the dream. Some days it's a nightmare. <laughs> well, I tell you, we were just mentioning, you know, as we chit-chatted before we started hitting record, that it's been quite a month, you know. I mean, really, when you look back at the last 30 days, it just seems, you know, one thing is topping another. And, you know, really a lot of this started last November. And, you know, that's when I think Whiting, uh, of course, Whiting's in the news recently by doing some restructuring and they were in the news back in november and and then of course we had russia and opec happen it's just looking back at the last three four months and then you look at the coronavirus it's just hard to imagine the last 30 days even happened uh devin just talk to me about how you guys are processing there yeah i mean it's uh definitely something that we've never seen before you know with our business we're very uh heavily invested in the oil and gas industry and you know, it's it's one thing for oil and gas prices to go down, uh, but for the whole economy essentially to be shut down, uh, it's we've never seen this. I mean, no one's ever seen something like this before. So, you know, we're just trying to get as much information as we can and just make those decisions based upon them. 
you know, the facts that we're getting. So, well, the, the one thing though, is there, there is things moving along and I know after they get a handle on it, they're going to probably do a gradual roll back or a roll out, if you will. I, I don't think it's going to be a full on. I mean, the, the NFL's even considering playing some games in front of like 200 fans next year. I mean, this, so, I mean, it's like everything is on the table. You know what I mean? But really the safety industry, and, and that's, that's what you are. I, I believe you're really the safety industry. Yeah. You've got supply and retail and, and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, you are involved in the safety industry. So I, I don't know how you're going to weather the storm or if you're going to, but I, I see where, you are an essential business. You guys are open. So you're, you're doing, you know, how you maneuver behind the scenes is up to you. And, you know, I'm not asking for your business plan or anything, but uh, talk to me a little bit about some of those things that are, are selling that people are needing right now, because, you know, there is some business happening, you know, there is, there is, there is people still operating out there. Yeah. So as our business is deemed essential, um, that's definitely helped us a lot. Um, because we know that we can stay open through this um, just because the products and services that we provide. Um, and we've been inundated um, in the last couple of weeks, obviously, for N95 masks and um, disposable suits and uh, disposable gloves and uh, sanitizers, a lot of the Jam Sam stuff. Uh, we've been seeing an increase in that as well. Um, so yeah, we're, we've been reaching out to all of our vendors to try to source, you know, products that we can get, and we've had to get a little creative and, you know, reach out to potentially the new vendors and, uh, you know, figure out different ways of getting it. We even, you know, took a delivery truck up and picked it up at a terminal, you know, up in Wyoming to just, uh, speed up the process of getting the products to our customers. Um, so, you know, everyone's, it's kind of a weird, weird time, but you know, with our business, you know, safety is the head to toe kind of idea that we try to emphasize. So with the virus, it's completely different than fall protection, but I was going to say, it's, it's really interesting. The different, uh, veins or the different subcategories or the niches and niches when it comes to just safety, you know, I mean, the media has it and, you know, everybody has it within their own, but to see one of them out in the public, like safety, where, you know, we were talking about, you know, hand sanitizers before we went on, on, you know, the, the air, would you ever have thought, you know, a year ago that there'd be a day and age where you'd be ordering that stuff by the, by the barrels and, and that sort of thing. I mean, just some of the things that are involved with safety, I guess you just take for granted or overlook from time to time. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even you talk about last year, I would never have thought this would ever happen. Um, but even last month, you know, we, we saw something coming, but we didn't know what extent that would be. And then obviously Colorado followed suit with the other states of shutting down uh, stay-at-home orders. So, you know, we've had to scramble, you know, for our team, too. It's not only just the products, but also dealing with um, taking care of our team through this, you know, making sure that they are taken care of and, you know, that they're, they're honestly having to homeschool their kids and come to work or you know, do homeschooling after work. And so it's just been a full circle thing, you know, of trying to deal with this um, in our perspective, um, just really taking care of our customers, taking care of our team and our vendors. You know, it's, it's, it's been a 
lot of communication back and forth amongst the team. I I laugh a little bit because you know my son's downstairs as we speak. I'm I, I posted on social media the other day jokingly that uh, I'm a teacher because I had to help out with some classwork. I'm a SRO officer. I had to break up a midday game of Fortnite with a bunch of buddies that didn't have e hall passes. And then I'm a little <laughs> lunch lady because I had to make lunch. And then I'm also a counselor. You know, I got to break up the. If I should go to a virtual class or should I surf the net or what? So peer pressures. And so all that will be in an essential because technically I'm media and oil and gas. So I get the uh, double whammy, just like you, safety and oil and gas. You know, it's like your your extra double essential. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your customers right now. You've got obviously an online store that makes total sense. But I've been to your retail outlet. I mean, you've got a very large retail outlet. Uh, you've got a embroidery area in the back. Uh, you've got, you know, you've, you've got employees and you've got, I imagine you have outside sales. You mentioned trucks a few, few times. So how are you guys handling this? I mean, are people still coming to your retail location or do they have to have appointments or like I said, I'm sure your online is, is doing probably better than before, if not fine now. Yeah, I mean, we've tried to kind of be sensitive to the workers that we are dealing with. And, you know, a lot of them maybe have to stay in the office, but we realize that a lot of our customers, you know, they don't get that luxury. And so, you know, we're, we've stayed open for our retail uh, aspect of it. Obviously, we've seen uh, the number of people walking in decrease, uh, but we've also um, positioned it in a way, too, that people can order online at bettersafety.com and, you know, they can come either pick it up or they can have it shipped to them. Um, so we're just trying to limit that exposure to them if they feel that's um, necessary for them. Uh, but, yeah, we do have outside sales. And so, you know, they're having to change the playbook a little bit for themselves. And you know, they may not be able to visit their customers in person. So, you know, utilizing technology to, you know, get as close to the customer as you can without being there and, um, you know, we do have our customizations team, and so we've opened up, uh, you know, free embroidery for all new orders um, until all this stuff is done because we want to keep them busy, um, help save our customers money, and just be a full one-stop shop for everyone. Mr. Devin Becker with Becker Safety and Supply. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Devin Becker with Becker Safety and Supply. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. makes the whole world blind. And I was two years old when John Lennon died. I was born under a harvest moon And I wasn't too late and I wasn't too soon And I was born on the first day of my life And I was two years old when John Lennon died
I was two years old when John Lennon died. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you. There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Food Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Devin Becker with Becker Safety and Supply is off the hook. But then I was thinking Netflix is probably being downloaded quite a bit. Have you been watching much Netflix? Yeah, I mean, you. what else is there to do? Other than- <laughs> <laughs> so I, re- I don't Have you seen Ozark? I have. My wife and I watched that. Uh, we're about halfway through the third season. Okay. Just craziness, craziness. So it's it's <laughs> what's interesting about the third season is I just finished it and I don't want to I don't want to give any spoilers at all. But um, two things I'll tell you is that it gets better and better each each episode as it goes. And the brother who I didn't really care for in the beginning, I really liked in the end. And um, I think the therapist is probably my favorite character this season. So. <laughs> Getting paid off to from both sides of it. Yeah. Isn't that great? Them getting paid off by the it. husband and the wife to win arguments. <laughs> I thought that was just a great storyline. But uh, uh, I understand you've seen Tiger King. Talk to me about that. I haven't seen it yet. So t- tell me why everybody's talking about this. Yeah. So actually, uh, I didn't even hear about it until about a week ago. And then one of the guys that works for us, he's actually from one of the towns. I think that where Tiger King's new place was being built. And so he's actually been to the Tiger King exhibit or whatever you should call it. And so that definitely intrigued me. And they started talking about it. I'm like, this, like how do you explain this show? And so I watched, we like binge watched 
the seven episodes on it. And, uh, yeah, when you ask someone, hey, have you watched Tiger King? They're like, what's Tiger King? Like, how do I explain it? Like, there's no way to, like, explain it without it sounding super crazy. I One person described it to me as um, everything that a bizarre reality show could have is in this show from redneck thruples to exotic animals. Like and I just looked at him and I cocked my head and I went, yeah, that would be about everything. <laughs> just... Yeah. It's, it's the craziest show and it just keeps getting weirder and weirder. And you're like, it can't get any weirder. And then it just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Is, uh, I, I guess is there a lawsuit involved? Is there a court case? Is there is that why there's got to be something like that 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 ties this together, or is it just a straight documentary? Or yeah, I mean, I don't want to give, I don't want to spoil it, but obviously there's someone ends up in jail, and there's oh. a, yeah, so I'm not going to tell if you haven't watched it, but um, yeah, it's it's crazy, and someone got fed to the lions, you know, and. Like, like literally? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, wow. That's, that's the claims. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's out of this world. So, you know, when you're at home, you know, hanging out with this quarantine, nothing like a little appreciation of how crazy other people are to make you feel better. Well, there, there you go. Your crude life uh, weekly uh, Netflix updates with uh, Oz- Ozark and Tiger King. We're, I'm telling you, we have to start giving people homework assignments and, and check in and do that sort of thing because I imagine there's a lot of people out there. Well, from a media standpoint, hey, you got to br- give the people what they're doing and what they want, and you're right. I mean, we were talking about social media, but I think there's probably just as many people, if not more, uh, uh, doing the Netflix thing. We didn't even get into the day drinking, which apparently is a huge thing now with liquor sales off the hook. And <laughs> people are like, yeah, I think I'll have a glass of wine at noon now and that sort of thing. So it's a little different. You're at the office, so you don't experience anything like that. But a lot of those people at home, that's starting to be a little bit of a of a, of a thing now. And so yeah, anyway, but um, all well, right. Netflix is, uh, it's got the whole seasons of uh, the office too. So if you really want to binge binge on the office, that's my, that's my third pick of what to watch on Netflix. How about out in Colorado? I, I mentioned uh, Whiting earlier and I'm not trying to pick on them. They just happen to be in the news. Um, but like, as I mentioned, they, they back in November, they, posted some debt uh the opec russia happened um colorado has a governor who's come out and publicly said war on oil and gas you know and jim kramer he thinks you know that there's going to be more oil and gas companies everything else too you're in weld county you're like in in ground zero um of, of where there's oil and gas activity uh what are you hearing from some of your colleagues, some of your customers? What are you feeling out there um, in in the area? As as really, there, there is a restructuring happening. You know, I mean, there's no easy easy way to put it because it, it, it's best to be positive, but at the same time, you have to accept a little bit of reality that there is some restructuring in the marketplace going on. Yeah, you know, it's it's like that black swan event, right? Two things that you never think would happen at the same time happen. 
Um, so, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of companies um, laying off. Uh, we've heard rumors of that and actual uh, layoffs we've heard. Um, and so, yeah, that's it's super sad to see because in Wall County, you know, it, we are number one producer in Colorado uh, for the county. So, you know, that's a lot of jobs, um, you know, and our governor isn't very friendly of the oil and gas industry, but it's kind of funny how he still deemed it a central industry. But um, well, that's I wonder, a whole different topic. <laughs> I, well, I did want to ask you about that a little bit in terms of how do you think industry could accentuate that a little bit because I, I I understand that there's a virus and there's a lot of things happening, but at the same time, I am seeing headlines that tie, you know, climate change and, and the reduction of, of uh, air pollution to this virus. Boy, they're certainly being opportunistic uh, on the opposition side in terms of that climate change oil and gas fight. It just seems that from a journalistic standpoint that a, a newspaper or a television station or even a radio station would have picked up on that story, you know, that a, a governor who actively has said war on oil and gas just deemed it essential, critical. I think it was number two after hospitals. And, you know, that, that's a chicken and egg situation there if you want to rank them. But um, you know, you're, you're in the industry and, and you talk to a lot of different people. Uh, how can the industry get, you know, uh, back to a, at least a level playing field? Yeah, I think, um, it's just obviously education, you know, right. Yeah. You have to educate the people, but you know, you, you look at the stuff that's happening, uh, the products, the services, the, you know, the healthcare instruments, like those things that are being produced, you know, the masks and all those crazy things that, you know, GM making masks and ventilators and like weird stuff like that you never think you'd see. Like, how is that stuff made possible? It's through oil and gas production. Well, there's you know? a there's a question for you, you know, and, and you can just even repeat the same stuff you just said. But, you know, the question is, in, in your mind, from, you know, the diesel to the masks to the to the hazmat suits, whatever, um, explain a little bit how you see the oil and gas industry healing and helping out there with this coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, obviously the demand for gas and diesel, you know, probably will go down because people are not traveling as much as of this thing. But you look at all the products and stuff that it's, it's taking to fight this virus, it wouldn't have been possible without oil and gas. And so I think educating people of what it, it's taking to take on this virus uh, and the ventilators and the disinfectants and, you know, sanitizers and, you know, things like that, that and the PPE that these people are wearing uh, as a, a defense to this virus, like without oil and gas, I mean, you can make it with wind power, you know? And so I think it's educating and figuring out how to present that to everyone. Uh, in a way that educates them and also enlightens. To listen to the full-length interview with Devin Becker and Becker Safety and Supply or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Terry Edom, the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review.
To get your mind blown Mind blown, your mind blown I'll show you something that's never been shown Mind blown, your mind blown And that's all you need to the know The Food Life is sponsored in part by Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Terry Edom, the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity and the owner of the blog Public Energy Number no. 1. Hello, it's Terry Edom here, author of The End of Fossil Fuel Insanity. Excellent. Thank you for joining the program here today. Of course, we wanted to get an update north of the border up in Canada, our international brother in there. Uh, what's happening up there with the uh, COVID nineteen? Is uh, is is it the shutdown like it is here in America? Well, for an indication, I'm sitting in my storage room in my makeshift home office. So that's about what the country's like. That's a good metaphor for the country: locked down, depressed, still cold out, gray and snowy. So it, there's there's nothing bright on the horizon here. Yeah, particularly if you're in the energy sector with the oil price crashing and, and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, it's probably probably as bad as down there. Well, what's happening with the energy sector? Last we checked, uh, it's certainly a lot of uh, the environmental movement was uh, standing right. in, in the way of quite a bit. It was infiltrating much of the political parties uh, last we spoke. Right. G- give us an update in Canada where the oil and gas sector is here. You know, what are we, three days into springtime? No, really, it's hard to believe. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's, it's well, I guess if there's one good thing that came out of this, um, the coronavirus thing, it's hard to imagine that, but um, the, the environmental movement, or, or I shouldn't say the environmental movement, the, the environmental movement is the, are the good guys. The climate change guys have been silenced for a while because people are actually realizing, hey, it's kind of important that we have supply chains, and it's kind of important that we have 
fuel to, to bring us our food. And it's kind of important that farmers can grow crops with that diesel. So uh, it's starting to sink in where all the stuff comes from a little bit. Now, they'll come back out of the woodwork, I'm sure, afterwards. But as far as Canada's political climate, it's, it, everything's been kind of trumped by the um, the coronavirus. We've, we've gone into full, pretty much full lockdown across the country. People are working from home. And uh, in the energy sector, we've just been so beaten down that there's empty buildings downtown all over anyway. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, very dark days. Uh, and like I said, probably not that much different than you, except that we were more advanced on the environmental front before this all came crashing down. What's going on with your economy up there? I mean, you guys have a lot more of a socialized economy than we do here in the United States. Is there any sort of assistance or does anybody worried about it, I guess? Or does, do, oh, I mean, well, I, I don't know. Do, do, you, do you guys get loonies in the mail every day? <laughs> They're coming soon. Um, I, I avoid politics like the plague because, like you say, we have more of a, a socialist bent up here and we have a, a minority government which means that there's um the uh, the prime minister doesn't have a majority in the house of commons so he's uh, he has to work with other parties and unfortunately the other parties he has to work with to maintain his um his his platform or his programs are the greener ones so it's even worse so so that yeah legislatively we're they're 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 putting bailout programs in um but we have we have just notoriously weak leadership in 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 the country here now, and there is, we've been dragging our feet putting uh, policies in place, and just uh, catering to the lowest common denominator. It seems like just trying to keep everyone happy, but you can't make everyone happy. We do, you need a leader at this in times like this. You need someone to make decisive action and explain why you're getting ahead. And we don't have that up here. So, and if he is a leader, he's more likely to. Um, well, to give you an example of what kind of leader we have, and when this coronavirus crisis started breaking uh, about a month ago, um, he was, uh, and there was another crisis where we were having our railways blockaded by by climate activists, which which crippled our economy before the coronavirus even got here. And our our prime minister, Mr. Trudeau, was campaigning through Africa for a seat on the UN Security Council. That's where he was spending his days, really? handing out money. Believe this or not handing out money to countries in Africa to enhance their development programs, some of which included oil and gas. You, you cannot make this stuff up. So we're just so um, beaten down by our politicians here that it's just background noise now. How about the, the rest of the, you know, the, the schools, the bars, the nightclubs? I guess I haven't really looked at what's going on in Canada. Uh, in, in America, yeah. you know, we've got states that are shutting down. Uh, most of the schools, I think all but one or two state schools have been shut down for the most part. How, how are you guys handling that? I think it's the exact parallel. We're, we're, we, I think we, the, the real people run our world here very similar to the way it is across the border. Yeah, bars are shut down and, and a lot of uh, most shopping is shut down. Um, people are, are working at home wherever possible, and the um, the supply chains, thankfully, are, are still moving things around. Except toilet paper, no one can find toilet paper. I don't know what it's like down there, but same thing. Th- that, that's the, the weirdest thing <laughs> of this whole scenario. Uh, so yeah, it's it's very similar. We've and, and you're, you're, it's exactly the same in the way it's being administered too. We've had a patchwork thing where the provinces some have leapt ahead of others, some have um, some were um, had big closures or border closures almost 
before others did or they were doing better screening and um and others are still just like in california i saw in the news the other day where they're still chasing people off the beaches and we had still have that same problem in vancouver the day before yesterday where there were people were still congregating outside and whether whether that's the best strategy to deal with this i don't know i think it's a bit there's a tug of order were there how, do you risk destroying your entire economy to corral us quickly um and and as I, I don't cut anybody any slack or i'm not pointing any fingers because i don't know what i would do in, in their shoes either it's it's a really tough thing to do but but it does look like we are going down that path that we're the lockdowns are the the chosen route so i think we just have to batten down the hatches and see what happens do you see a exit strategy for this this at all i mean because the i all i see is a, a, a an economy that's just going to be extremely broken and oh, it, it it'll come huh? back in in something like we've never seen before and it, it, it'll get fixed it'll get fixed don't get me wrong it'll yeah, get I fixed agree. but but it, it's going to be so broken different. that i i'm not even sure how it'll get fixed i i, I agree it's, it's just like a it's like looking at the fog i guess if there's one bright light is that if you look at china where they've taken their um they're easing back a little bit like there i saw a report saying that their coal consumption is climbing back up again to not that far off year ago level so their industry is getting rolling again to listen to the full-length interview with terry edam the author of the end of the fossil fuel insanity visit the that's the that's going to do it for today's program i'd like to thank terry edam for joining today's program as well as devin becker with becker safety and supply u.s senator kevin kramer U.S. Senator John Hoven and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum for being a part of the Crude Life Week in Review. Those interviews, of course, can be found in their entirety at thecrudelife.com, as well as our social media pages, our sponsors, musicians, interviews, all kinds of news information. Check out thecrudelife.com. That is thecrudelife.com. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is where the industry comes to talk. That's going to do it for this week, folks. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. 
and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 